DJ, drop a beat. Not another podcast. 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 Those people are the freaks, man. They're hookers, so it's fine. James. Meth is a hell of a drug. Okay, bitch, it's on. Price. You know what really grinds my gears? I bet they're Brazilianaires. Samantha. Get out now or sting, get weaved. When we're really <laughs> desperate, we put our hands underneath his balls. Big Jim. I know my way around a joke. You've been shaving your own pubic hair for years? No, I've just been collecting it. I'm not weird. Danny. Don't want to sound like a dick or nothing. Had an expansive bookmark collection. What the hell is wrong with you people? Not another podcast. Uh, three, two, one, go. Hang on, I'm rallying my energy. It was just like you. It was a long day. Hence <laughs> the scotch, bro. <laughs> so, um, this morning I, w- I was trying to think of what we'll, we could talk about today. Because, of course, there's tons of fucking shit going on in the world. But it was all depressing. And I just don't want to do a depressing show. Yeah, I, Fair. I don't either. Ain't going to hurt my feelings. Yep. At the same time, though, I realized that I had was just about to put the finishing touches on our newest episode of Homestead. If you aren't listening, please do so. You can find us on YouTube as well as uh, notanotherpodcast.com. Um, but it, it, it got me thinking about how much on this show we've talked about movies. And, and you know, it, it's, one of, it's one of the many uh, uh, things that we all have in common. We all enjoy a good movie. And it also got me thinking about how we've, we've talked about acting in general. And I realized today that everyone on this show, with the exception of Bryce can officially say they're an actor, an actor. (laughs) That's why we never look at each other in the eye. It's a respect thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's why this whole time I'm just staring at my own image on this, you know, zoom call. I got to make sure you look cute. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fix your hair. Fix your hair, man. My hair is fucking perfect. Thank you. He's like, oh. <laughs> uh, but and like I said, it, it got me thinking about the whole craft of acting. And we've talked about it. Like, I've had a theory that I've posed on this show before that um, a movie. When when someone says a movie sucks because I'm an actor, I, I don't. I will never lay a bad movie at the hands of a single actor. I think there's. There's three things that make a movie. There's script, direction, and acting. Yeah. And executive producers who like to fuck shit up. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it would be fun if uh, today we talk about the craft of acting. And especially for Danny, who's very new to acting. Not as new as you think. I just don't typically talk about it. Because it's kind of one of those things where acolytes are only really provable if you had somebody around that was there. But I've been acting since high school. And it's like I've done small things. I've done small theater productions, stuff like that. But honestly, nothing I could really write on a resume. You know what I mean? There's still acting, though. True. True. But it definitely There was an audience of some sort. It's not new to me so much as it's just a muscle that I don't exercise often. You act like you care on this show every week. So. <laughs> I know. 
He acts like he's your friend. <laughs> no, he acts <laughs> like I give a fuck about anybody. And for that alone, he should be giving award after award because I buy thank it you, every thank day. You. Thank you. <laughs> Bought and sold a bill of bullshit goods, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I think that like the funniest and sort of like the 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 funniest thing about about Danny is that um on the you podcast talk. like we're all a little extra on the podcast but like honestly when we're talking offhand and like if he and I are having a conversation or whatever he is like one of the most genuinely sweet and complimentary Aww. people and just really loves his friends and we love you too but like Aww. like there's just like the encouragement that he's given me when it comes to the ukulele when it comes to trying to sing and when it comes to doing like it's just it's just sweetest i'm gonna stroke your ego a little here too because here's the thing please do danny <laughs> andy's funny so i need a gym for the day okay thank you danny will be the first to dish out shit mm-hmm. start flinging shit at you but here's the, here's the thing to understand about Danny. He will also be the first to come to your, your defense if he thinks someone's getting on you too rough. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. If I've got a problem, Danny's no, one of the first pe- people I go to because he's great at listening. Um, so if there's if there's something weighing heavy on my mind, he's one of the first people I'll, I'll think to, to talk to. Mm-hmm. So... Danny is of all the friends I've had in my life. I can count on one hand uh, the amount of people in my life that are at Danny's level. Oh, shucks. And he's number six. So (laughs) I'll take that. I get that extra digit, you know, the one he don't talk about. often. (laughs) The one that disappears and reappears and then disappears and reappears. You don't happen to have six fingers on your left hand, do you? (laughs) You start all conversations this way. (laughs) Funny. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate you. A lot of the same can be said about everyone else. It's just, you know, like we are here to, this is somewhat performative too. Yes, we are ourselves, but there's an added layer to that too. Like sometimes when it comes to the YouTube, you know, Ryan is like, I feel like you're being a little extra. I'm like, yeah, but on camera, it doesn't feel that way. So like Mm -hmm. on, it's different. I was like, it's going to come across as I'm calmer than I am sitting next to you right here. And plus you're with me every day. I'm not extra with you every day. Right. Yeah, it's just only when you turn the camera on. Of course, because that's who I am. And there's a Travis. Yay. There is a Travis. Hi. I'm sorry. <laughs> TriMed is out of drivers right now. So please bring your patience. So Travis took hold of the bus and drove himself home. That's right. <laughs> Give me that, Max. Right. I can do this. <laughs> One speed, go. Hi, what did I miss? So we just, uh, well, you missed stroking Danny's ego. We just we just finished that up. Okay. Um, but we, we we're getting into we're getting into finish. talking about <laughs> um, um, acting in general. And Samantha was making the point that um, before we head into the the acting, how on on this show that even though we are ourselves, we're actually giving a little extra. We're performing essentially. So, but we're performing as ourselves. Yes. 
Travis is like, no, no, thanks, no. thanks, buddy, thanks, good night, everyone. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, so it's all varying degrees. So yes, I, I think in theory you are absolutely right. I think that though, I mean, James, our radio show was a level of acting, right? That that far surpasses what we do here. And and honestly, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 few times that I've been able to join this podcast, I actually feel I feel less like I'm acting than real life, like my work world. And mm-hmm. it, I here is a safe space. It's a safe space. And and I think that I can I feel like I can express myself more openly and honestly here. Now am I Throwing in a little razzle dazzle, a little showbiz, maybe. Yeah, we all Give are. Them the yeah. old razzle dazzle, right? But look, we're but all. I don't, I don't know if I don't do that in my real life. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 we're all performers all the time, and and rarely do we find, I guess, the venue where we really can sort of let the guard down and not perform. I think that's a part of what makes all of us slight extroverts. Whenever we're around other people, we kind of just feed off of that. And we're like, yeah, okay, this is the mood of the room. So we're going to roll with it. Yeah. We might not always be up for it, but we put in efforts. Yeah, I think so. And I think from, from the beginning, and we've talked about this many, many times over the, the many years that we've been on. Um, my goal when I started this was to be i wanted to be exactly who bryce and i were in real life um it took us a while before i mean we had a year of shows before we we went live just trying to figure out our dynamic and stuff and it took a while to even once we went live as it were it still took a while before we found that comfort level um and i think we are now with everyone that's involved in this, in this show, uh, Travis included, it is, it is exactly what I set out for it to be. And that is for someone who comes to listen, they're listening to a group of friends who are out for the night, catching up, they're having some beers, they're having some food and they're having some laughs. Now, sometimes the conversation's very serious, you know, we'll get into, we'll get into some, some, pretty deep topics occasionally but i think for the most part when we get together it's it's catching up it's it's therapy jim jim has said that it's therapy it's getting together with your most trusted friends and letting your hair down and just relaxing you know but i think samantha's right i think when we come on here there is a level of performance we do add a little bit more to our personality oh yeah in an effort to entertain, but is that any more so or less so than if we were getting together in real life? Travis, Travis, Danny and I, when we get together, I think, I think we do turn it on a little bit because it's, it's about making our friends laugh and having a good time. Yeah. You know, Yeah. And again, are we it's any only less genuine? Life. No, I don't think so, but no, no, I think it's just a, um, a call to not be boring. <laughs> yeah and i i think that there's also it's it's it, it's a level of expectation right 
I, I think that like when we hang out, we, we know we're going to make each other laugh. And do we turn it up sometimes? Sure. Because we know we're on to something, right? If, if I've got the two of you laughing, I, I'm going to, I'm going to feed that fire, right? I'm going to see how far I can take it to make you laugh. But I think on this, but, but, but when we're just hanging out, I also never feel an expectation to do yeah. that. Yeah. If it happens, it happens naturally and it's fun and I love it and it's great, right? But I think coming on to this podcast, because our hope is there's an audience, right? There is an expectation. Oh, fuck. I don't want to be boring. Yeah. Yeah. I and, can totally agree with that. And, 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 and it doesn't necessarily mean we have to be funny all the time, but we just have to be compelling. Yeah. We have mm -hmm. to, we have to be talking about something that, that peaks an interest or, or scratches an emotion or, or, or digs back into some nostalgia or some connection to whoever is listening on the other side. And thank you for listening, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and hoping that even though we never met the person that they walk away with something that makes them come back, mm -hmm. you know, makes them, go you know i i dug that group i i want to hear the next one and the next one and the next one and and pretty soon somebody we've never met before feels like they're friends with us because mm -hmm. they've been with the podcast for as long as they've been and they know and they've heard the stories and and they they've kind of picked us out as the certain archetypes that we all sort of play and 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 are in this dynamic and 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 yeah do do we turn it up a little bit i i, I hope so I, I you know i hope that all of us with our backgrounds know how to how to perform a little mm. but at the same time <laughs> I, I think that there's also a level of trust between us all and a level of honesty between us all that allow us to get into topics or say things that we may not say in mixed company or at work or with yeah. people we don't really know. And I think that that familiarity is, is the thing that ultimately is, is what may make the connection with the listener. They may buy into that familiarity and, and, and feel it the way that we feel it amongst one, each other when we're on the podcast. Well, I think I think it's, it's exactly what you said. This is a safe space. This is where we can go and we can air our grievances or, you know, just say whatever's on our mind without fear of being judged. You know, there's there is a trust level here that, you know, if if I say something, you know, it's not going to devolve to name calling. Exactly. <laughs> You, know. you can have adult conversations and right. still be funny. And what Which I will weird, say to our weird. one listener is, yes, we are your friends. But no, I don't want to see the contents of your basement. Let that just be known. <laughs> what about my attic? Well, no. I mean, no. that's a different story. <laughs> oh, that could be yeah. fun. I'm just saying, you know. Are there bats up there? <laughs> I will open it up to a sex dungeon, but only if the safe word can be pineapple. I'm just saying, just putting it out there, okay? 
We gotta open up slowly though. Just relax. Just relax. Just breathe in. <laughs> but yes, no, it is it is kind of nice because it's gonna be worse when it comes out. <laughs> a lot worse. Wait, wait, which end are you putting it in? Oh, you're about to find out. <laughs> no, it is kind of nice coin. because <laughs> if we could be nothing else to folks who listen to this show, we are the friends you have that you actually look forward to talking to. Right. And if absolutely nothing else, there is a shortage in the world for a lot of folks who just have that one person who they can just shoot the shit with, or, you know, feel open enough to just air out all their dirty laundry and not worry about them coming back and going, you're kind of, you know, a piece of shit. And I don't really want to talk to you anymore. But at the same time, it's like, don't get me wrong. We, as this podcast, are very polarized in some things. But I hope that the people who listen to us are in most agreement with us, if not completely. Yeah, I mean, I think we represent a certain tribe. And I think that, you know, people that sample the podcast will, it's either their tribe or it's not. And, you know, if it's their tribe, it's their tribe, man. There's not a whole lot of middle ground, right? But but if it's not their thing, you know, maybe they, they, they get a couple of episodes. Maybe they come back once every couple of months just to just to see if it's different and are they still they move on nope. yeah creepy creepy is the word that you were creepy <laughs> yeah it is i feel attacked you should <laughs> i like it remember the safe word <laughs> now what about acting so uh, leading into an acting thing so i have this i have this this theory about um whether if a movie is good or bad, it can't be solely laid at the feet of an actor. Uh, a lot of movies, uh, a lot of critics will will say, oh, it was a bad movie because this person was a terrible actor or whatever. I think there are three things that make a good movie. That's acting, directing, and writing. I think an actor is only as good as the script and the directing. I think the director is only as good as the actors and the script. And I think the script is only as good as the writers and the director and the actor. So, yeah. I wanted to know. Would... Oh, go ahead. I, I wanted to know um, because, uh, again, on on this show, just about everyone except for Bryce has acting experience. Um, so, I wanted to know if you guys have ever worked on a project that you worked your ass off to make good, like you got the script and it was awful. And the director was terrible, but you you still tried your best to turn in a, a solid performance. We'll start with that. Okay. And and how how you you motivated yourself to get that that performance. So mm. and you can't say homestead. Damn it. <laughs> oh. oh way to cut my nuts off there, bud. Um writer no. and director, but whatever, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want my feelings hurt. That's all. Fair, fair. <laughs> I, I, it's funny because as an actor, no, I mean, I, I'm an actor that loves the writing, and 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 I will say that 
all of the stuff that I have been involved with has had at least passable writing, if not really great writing. Um, so, so that was never an issue. I've had directors I disagree with and, and, and I will say that there was definitely a point in my acting career that, that I would have probably been labeled temperamental, um, <laughs> especially by certain directors. But I, but I will say that, that I had, there was a, there was a point where I was a director and, and it was, I, I think this was high school and it may have been my like junior year. And we did like student directed one act plays and I was the director of one. And we were like three days from performance and there was nothing I could do with this turd. I tried, the writing was shit. I was dealing with my high school buddies who were cast in it and they were like, not great, but they were all right. They were high school kids that were pretending. But, but overall, it was just shit. So I, I ended up kind of doing a weird stunt thing where, where I had these bushels of plastic fruit. And the night of the performance, I said, I told one of the actors, I said, I want you to take your cane throughout this one act. And I want you to randomly golf shot food, these plastic fruit into the audience. Just, I don't give a shit what, when you do it. I don't care whose line it is. I just want you to randomly just tee up and plastic fruit into the audience. And so I kind of made a spectacle out of it to make it interesting. But it, you know, it was this stupid sort of last ditch effort to try to salvage. And that was probably the, the, the most over the top thing I did with just a lame set of horrible writing and, and, you know, high school actors. It was fun. It was a spectacle. The audience dug it. They wouldn't remember a thing about the play, but they will, they will probably talk to this day about the guy that was teeing fruit into the audience. Um, <laughs> so there was something memorable about it, but, but, but as an actor, no, I mean, I think that there have been things that, I will say Shakespeare is really difficult. Shakespeare is tough and, you know, it's exquisite writing, but if you really don't have the fundamentals behind it, if you really don't understand what you're saying, um, it's a little tough mm -hmm. to, to really convey to an audience, but you can't put that at the feet of the writer. And oftentimes <laughs> you can't put that at the feet of the director either. Um, that's kind of solely on the actor and their preparation. So I, I've, I've stumbled a little bit with some Shakespeare stuff, but, but yeah, I, I think it was the director role that I had the, the, at least that time I directed, I learned to find much better material the next time, the few times that I was in the director's chair, but, but that time, nah, it so, just became a sideshow. When I was a, a freshman in high school, we did uh, in my English class. We we read Romeo and Juliet, and it was two months of Romeo and Juliet. 
Uh, But why I remember it is because at one point, the teacher broke us up into groups and she gave each of us a scene and we had to, to sort of modernize it or make it our own or something. And I, I was with my, uh, my friend at the time. Uh, and we had like two other, two other people and there were six roles. So four, four guys for six roles. And we had the sword fight scene and the other guys did, they just didn't care. So it was up to me and my friend. And we went, well, what if we did this as a comedy? It's like one of the most serious scenes because it's the sword fight. And it's like, well, let's just do it as a comedy. And so we made these little, little paper swords so we could sword fight. And we just sword fight by holding our scripts and going whack, 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 whack. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually I stabbed him and he had to die but then he had to come and be the the guy who explains what happens so at one point he's like so this guy killed this guy and he points at himself (laughs) nice (laughs) and executed yeah it was like we were well prepared we like we were reading the script like snappy but everyone else was reading off the script because they didn't study so they fucked up the timing In and of itself, that kind of makes it funny, though, too, because, like, I remember freshman year in high school, we had to do um, Macbeth. And Macbeth is one of my favorites. It's up I there. I cringe every time you say the word. Uh, <laughs> you ain't going on stage. Shut the fuck up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I am so conditioned. What? What's the? It's the oh. Scottish play. Don't say the M word. It's Macbeth? basically theatrical ah! bad luck. Oh, is I never knew that. Yeah, so where oh, break a leg yeah. is like good luck. Oh, yeah, break never, a leg. Never ever say. Yeah. So so there there. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. There's supposedly a curse that you don't say the name unless you're in the role and you have to say it as your character. But outside oh. of it, you don't say the name. You either call it the M play or the Scottish play. I and never so- knew that. Yeah, and if somebody says the word, there is an actual ritual that you have to like perform to clear the evil spirits from the theater because otherwise bad shit happens it's a curse and word. so yeah to this day and i haven't been on a stage in 30 years but that word still is like oh quit saying the word so Macbeth was really fun to do in high school <laughs> do the <laughs> ritual do the ritual where, i'm not doing the ritual I'm not doing it <laughs> Why Our is next homestead audio recording is gonna be fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was a lot of fun in the respects that in middle school is when I kind of realized that I had dyslexia, and all of my teachers thought I just wasn't applying myself. And so my running notation was if I could learn to not only read and understand Shakespeare but recite it without slipping up regular english would be easy so i studied Macbeth, ah romeo and juliet julius yeah. caesar which is uh, still my favorite yeah. and um what was the other one? Oh, king lear those were my heavyweight hitters of middle school and no hamlet was... no hamlet I... what about othello? yeah othello 
I feel bad every time I mention this, but honestly, like I feel this way about Romeo and Juliet the same way that I feel about Hamlet. I've seen it too much. I've heard it too much. And honestly, I just don't fucking care. The only day, reason I did Romeo and Juliet was because I thought it would give me points with the ladies. But See, I'm with you on Romeo and Juliet. It's yeah. totally overdone, overplayed. Yeah. Uh, same with A Midsummer Night's Dream. Fuck oh, yeah. those two shows. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But but Hamlet. Nope, oh, my God. Give me the to be or not to be speech. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah, look, you get past <laughs> that speech, but but what what, what is it? Uh, oh, that this too too sullied flesh would yes. melt, dissolve into a dew. Fuck, dude, no. His best writing. Don't get me Hamlet. wrong. Solid performance for a solid reason, but for me, it was always King Lear. Uh, well, not in this order, but Julius Caesar is my absolute favorite. Tops everything else. It King must Lear be by his second death. and Macbeth. <laughs> I'm gonna put some of the James Hetfield stank on Macbeth. <laughs> but yeah, it was like we got to do that in my freshman year in high school. Same situation as you, James, where we had to kind of pair up with folks and recite a scene. And me, I'm like, I know this bitch. <laughs> I know it backwards and forwards. Fucking bring it on. And it was, um, yeah, it was just one of those things where I got up there and I did the lines and I was acting the part because we were doing the scene where um, Macbeth and his homie basically come across the oracles at the beginning. And I had to try to act all shocked and abashed that they were talking about me being king. Well, isn't that funny? And, you know, it was fun to just kind of go through it. But by the time I hit my junior year, I hadn't really done genuine acting until then. And then my junior year is when I started doing all of the plays. And, you know, we did everything from Les Estrada to uh, this. um, Oh, what the fuck is the word? Uh, Monologue kind of reading where basically we were a troop of like 12 people you know, folks from the school and all of us had monologues to read and mine, I, I still question my teacher's direction, but she put me in the Nazi one where it was talking about the Hitler youth. And it was like, basically it was called on wings of shining silver. And the idea behind it was a child growing up with crayons, drawing beautiful pictures. And now his life is number seven shining silver and no more because reasons and it was tough for me because she wanted me to overact the hell out of it like she wanted me to go way over the top and then pull me back and it was like okay so what what's the difference from when i auditioned with this to where you drew me back to because i'm not seeing a difference and (laughs) Yeah, that was like my first real experience with something that I didn't really like. I mean, it was fun. It was good, but it was still, it was like, I don't know. I felt out of place, like with this type of direction where it was like, go over the top. I'll draw you back. It's like, fuck you. I gave you that shit the same way I gave you in the beginning. What are you doing? And that really was the only time I ever felt like I had to polish a turd in a respects, but 
all the other ones, I mean, they were pretty well laid out, you know. What else did we do? Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, oh, what the fuck Lucky. was the other one? Oh, I can't remember the other ones we did. It, but yeah, it was just silly. <clears throat> but yeah, that was mine. Samantha, have you had a script know. that you've had trouble um, making good? Not no, because really. you're I have a, Of course. <laughs> but I've had less acting experience from a youth standpoint as well. Um, my dad didn't really like the arts just thought it was kind of stupid and useless. So I focused uh, a lot on sports, um, even though I tried out for plays and stuff like that. But I also like, I went to a very clicky school too. And um, if you weren't part of that theater group, like you're really not, you know, gonna, gonna get anything. So, um, which, you know, fine, cool, whatever, have, have fun. Um, so my acting stuff kind of came later. I was with a like cattle call casting agency in my twenties and um, so glad that's over with, but I told them like voiceover and voice acting is where I'd like to stay. And uh, I do, I would like to, you know, act on, on camera and stuff like that. But voice acting is like the main thing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you. We got you. We got you. I didn't get a single voice acting thing. So um no, they didn't send me out for anything. So they had no auditions for it. So I was like, okay, what do I do now? But they kept sending me out. Now this isn't acting, but it's entertainment, like in that sphere. Um, they kept sending me out for modeling castings. Picture this does not happen. This does not a model make. So I was like, Oh, why? Uh, why do you keep sending that. me for that? My bookmark collection would <laughs> so, beg to differ. I'm like, well, you know, there's someone for everyone. No, um, like pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> See, when it comes to the performative aspect of this, like that, like that's that extra that I'm talking about. Like when we're pushing forward a little bit, but, um, but anyway, uh, so I keep getting sent out to these modeling castings, and gosh darn it. I gave it my best. I, you know, I, I know how to walk in heels, you know, like heel toe, heel toe. They're designed to hold your weight. Ladies, don't be afraid to just walk. Um, but so I know how to walk in heels, but I've never like had a model walk before. And then we had to do headshots and you got to get measured and you got to do all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I remember going to, um, they were doing a, a hair model thing for this like big salon guy. I don't remember his name. Do not care. And there was hundreds of girls there and they would just they went down the line and they would look at your hair and like inspect and just like yes no yes no yes no and then they would narrow it down from there fucking weird um i had no desire to be a model so I, but they kept sending me out for modeling shit and i would do it because who knows where it could lead to right and you know the guy who did my headshots for the company really liked me and um we actually had a conversation about a couple of things, but it was just, I don't know. It was weird. So that's sort of the closest thing to something that like, I didn't like, or didn't want to do that. I was just like, screw it. We're doing it. You know? Yeah. Gotcha. Have I ever I told know. any of you my, my uh, modeling, modeling contracts? <laughs> no. So I actually got um, down here in Oregon city. There's a park and every year there there's a, like a festival. And I was about, I think it was, yeah, it was about 20. Um, and I went with some friends and there was a, a booth for a modeling agency here in town. 
never heard of it or anything, but they had a, you know, one of the, the drawings, you fill out your name and you could get a modeling contract. So we all, ha ha ha, let's, uh, you know. <laughs> um, two weeks later, I got a call. Here's what happened. The model who was working the booth took my name out specifically and gave it to her agent and said, this guy might be worth looking into. Nice. Shocked the hell out of me when I found out. So I go to the agency and I do an, an audition, which was really fucking weird. It was like, here's our little stage, uh, walk on it. Like you were modeling clothes and I'm in like work clothes and heavy boots. I'm like, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I did it because, you know, it was an experience. I knew it was going to be a good story to tell. So, uh, after we go through the whole thing, she's like, yeah, I think, I think you've got, uh, what it takes. And, and she basically said, we do, what we do is we, we send you out for, for, uh, photo shoots for ads, like for Fred Meyer and target and things like that. So it's like really low level stuff. Um, and she was like, but you have to pay us a certain amount of money oh, to go through our yeah. course. Yeah. And I was like, no. yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so and she, she gave me the hard yeah. sell too. Like when I, when I first said, yeah, that's not going to happen. She was like, but here's the thing. And she like laid out, like, you know, you would get so many photo shoots a month and whether or not they use the pictures or not, you would still get like, uh, a decent amount of money and then she's like and then we take our cut and i was like yeah again, <laughs> no yeah no motherfuckers can take pictures of me so i actually want, but i, I actually could have been a a low level like uh sunday uh advertisement model in my you 20s been that kid from the diff looking at the computer going yeah, yeah. <laughs> thumbs up that could have been me yeah um yeah, honestly, Again, I thought it was for the longest time. The the whole way to to the to the appointment and everything, I'm like, this is this has got to be a joke. This is gonna, you know. But I went because it was like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, who fucking knows? Yep, gotta take so. those chances, right? Like, I mean, fuck. When I put in my audition tape for Steel Panther, I was guaranteed that I didn't think they'd pick me, but fuck, I figured I'd try. Yeah, and and look what happened. They didn't pick me. They didn't. <laughs> I, yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got no hard feelings on them for that one. No, and honestly, Danny, I, do. I, I guarantee you that was a promotion thing. They already had a bass player in mind. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you they already had someone in mind. Yeah. So No, I wasn't worried about it, but I was like, fuck it. It'll be fun. Why not? Yeah. So, so uh, I've never... The one and only time I can remember acting on stage, I was in fourth grade and I was like the lead in like the main scene. Uh, and we basically did uh, Abbott and Costello's Who's On First. Yes. That's one and of my favorites. I studied my lines. Here's what's funny though I was playing the straight man parts, oh, but somehow dude. I became the comedic center. Like somehow, like we. We were doing the lines for the opposite of what we actually were. Okay. I don't know how that worked, but uh, it was me and this girl, and and yeah, we did we did the whole 
whole routine well not the whole routine they cut it short for time but but we can like and the end of our scene was she grabs the baseball bat we're holding and chases me out of it out of the the dugout like she's going to kill me because i've confused the hell out of her Fair. and as we're running out like i'm hearing the whole auditorium just dying with laughter mm. and i think for me that's really when the bug hit but i never got the opportunity to uh perform on stage again and i think it's something that i would really like to do um so travis maybe we should write a play okay we'll i'll fly out, out to out be in it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's how you'll fly out okay <laughs> i gotta get something out of it i'm, kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna lie you know that reminds me uh because you were talking about like elementary school and i remember the very very first time i was ever up on stage um we were doing a talent show in elementary school and i my sister was going to be in it and so her and my mom were going over these lines for this poem that she was going to read out loud on stage well my sister couldn't get them and for some reason my room was not too far away from my mom so i could hear them every night and so i memorized that shit so my sister decided to do like a dance number or something like that. And my mom was like, why don't you just do the poem? I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> I get up there. I do the audition. I nail the poem. No problem. Everything's great. And it's like, awesome. They're like, cool. You'll be in the show. Great. Show day happens. I'm all ready to go. And they send me out on stage and I got the worst case of hiccups I've ever had in my whole <laughs> fucking life. Every second word. <clears throat> no. Oh, oh, God. It was just, it was like nails on a chalkboard right in the center of my head. And it bothered me so much. And you'd think that after that, I'd be like, no, fuck stage. I'm done. No, for me, it was a matter of, I know I can do this shit. This was horse shit. <laughs> so yeah, I always chase stage after that. And it was one of those things where every stupid small bit part I could get in any play we were doing, like when we did a Nancy, how he brought the stories down in like fourth grade or something like that. I ended up being one of the sky gods, which was a nice way of saying, here are all the kids we don't want to be front and center. So they're just a group in the back that have, you know, the sky god on there. And it's like, you play the guard. I'm in. <laughs> oh, dude, that's what happened to me in Les Estrada. I was guard number three. And I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I'm number I, one if I'm anything. I yeah. really wanted the lead, but I didn't get it. My one and only professional gig, I it was a Christmas carol at the Portland Center for Performing Arts. Uh, 1991 I think the Christmas season in 91 and I had like three or four roles in that um, and and that was the only time I had a, a an onstage mishap I in one of the scenes I play one of the the party revelers at one of the parties that Scrooge's nephew is holding you know the one that he sees and they're yeah. all bad mouthing him and I'm one of the ones mad mouthing them. And they had real hors d'oeuvres that we were supposed to eat. And fuck if like the third night, I didn't choke on it. And I'm just, I'm trying to clear my throat and not die on stage. And <laughs> fuck, it, is the, it, it was the worst. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, that that's was... one, Travis. I would love if you and I sat down and wrote a comedic version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. that's one I think we could we could do. Yeah, but I think you and I have such great chemistry. I would love to sit down and write a play with you, and then get it to a stage, even if it's just a small playhouse. Right. I think oh, that man, would be I... fucking fun. Just don't so... make me a sky god, please. You, <laughs> you can be. You can be god. a tree, Danny. <laughs> I will accept that. <laughs> so a friend of mine, uh, Jimmy, who writes Radio Hour, um, wrote a naughty, cuss-filled version of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> and I performed it. But my friend Nathan was a live bleeper. So every time I swore, he would go, giraffe! <laughs> and I had to keep a straight face through that. Oh, and it was in front of a live audience. Oh. And, but the thing is, like, the, the goal is to break, right? Because it's a comedic thing. But, like, I I was like, I am doing this. Because through rehearsals, I was like, I, I would break less and less every time. And I'm like, I'm, fuck, I got it. I got it. And he just, because he would ha- he would go with, like, bleep, blank, and there's different words. It was when he, for some reason, it was just the, the word or what the tone or just goofy word he used. I was just like, and then I couldn't talk because I had the giggles so oh. bad. And then like, and then the audience is laughing. Nathan's just, Nathan is six, nine. He's just staring at me like, and I'm like you son of a bitch. Because he's, like, he's so good at that. But I was like, Whoa. and then we finished, but oh my God, he still makes fun of me for that. He's like, I, you broke. And I was like, fuck you. I did it one time without, it just wasn't in you know, front the, of people. The thing is it would, Travis and I, if if we, because I know how bad we crack each other up, if we did, if we did like a fantasy play, given all the shit that we've come up for, like a fantasy world type thing, we'd be cracking up within the first scene. More than likely, maybe, <laughs> maybe we, because there are times when we will go riffing on stuff, and we just stay in character, and it's not until <laughs> after we're done that we kind of look back at it and then crack so (laughs) i think that would be the optimum goal of the whole experience is like how many times can you rehearse this line and the night of the show throw a curveball at him that cracks him yeah Yeah. we do that in radio hour all the time because it's like there are certain people that will break more often than others like i'm always so happy when i get paired with this one person because i'm like you're gonna, gonna break. You laugh. I'm gonna make you laugh. Well, we do it when we're recording Homestead, and Travis is usually the culprit <laughs> because he yeah. he sits with the script for a while, and he I know he like comes up with a bunch of the funniest one, and the one to this day is still. It was the episode we had where we the the ladies were act, asking the doctor if they could teach him how to do a blood test and travis just comes on he's not even recording he's just like oh yeah it's not too hard i mean i only went to fucking six years of doctor school to learn (laughs) and we all just we all just broke yeah Um, we did one where like there's like this tense moment between his character and these these uh these military guys and he just for no reason i'm black panther (laughs) That one I liked. Yeah. <laughs> so, so full disclosure, absolute full disclosure. 
I know that sometimes when we're in that room, there is a level of anxiety with the cast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. half of our cast are new to this type of thing. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, the people that are in our cast have a lot of experience. And I think that even intimidates half our cast even more. And, and I want, usually I will throw that out because I feel tension in the room. It's like, no, I want us to relax. I want us to have fun. This isn't, this is, there's nothing at stake here. Have fun, be the character, enjoy what you're doing. And, and sometimes if it, it starts to feel like work or people are, are too keyed up or it's like, nah, I, I'm going to throw something out. I'm going to, I'm going to just try to let a little of the steam out of That's the pressure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You need a tension you know. breaker and no, some and people I, are good at that. I have never, I've never, you know, scolded him because no. I, I know what he's doing. And I'm so glad because he's also really great at throwing that out there, letting out the steam and then getting everyone back. Immediately on picking it yeah. back. Right. Um, yeah. He is, uh, and I don't think I've ever told you this, but you are amazing at being sort of like the cheerleader for the cast uh, because you're, I think you're a lot better at reading the, the, the tension in the room than I am because I get in there and I'm so focused on getting what I need. I'm not really paying attention to that, but you're in there. And I think, and maybe it's because you're performing, you can feel that tension building around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 and Samantha, I mean, you, you have done enough cast work now that you know this, you can feel if the room isn't right. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it does. It, 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 it calls for a little reset. It calls for, it's, it's funny when, it, when Star Trek, the next generation started, Patrick Stewart had very little experience with an American cast. Mm-hmm. And he start, he attacked this role like he did anything Shakespearean, London West, and you know the the Academy of Royal Arts, right? He attacked it that way, and the rest of his cast are American actors, and American actors have they're a little looser. They they have fun on the set. They practical joke. They they're long days, especially in the early going. You're not probably paid what you should be yet Mm -hmm. and and especially something as ridiculous if you really think about it as being the cast of star trek the next generation you're in freaking lycra onesies and you're talking to space aliens and you're piloting the ship sort of i guess and stewart didn't know how to handle it and fucking frakes and and Michael Dorn and and uh, uh, Brent Spiner, they would play practical jokes. They would crack each other up on purpose. And for the first like four or five months, it pissed Stewart off. He was not. He was not into it. He would go to the director. He went to his agent. He started thinking about coming out of it. This was a mistake. What the fuck was he thinking? And Frakes pulled him aside and one day and went, look, this is ridiculous. What we are doing is stupid and silly and ridiculous. 
We need to have fun. We need to bond as a cast. We need to enjoy this experience so that we can put it into the role. And he sat with it for a while and sat with it for a while. And then one day showed up and I think pulled a prank on Brent Spiner Aww. that like, it, it just silenced the room. Nobody knew what to do or say because <laughs> Stuart had pulled a prank. And he started laughing and Spiner started laughing. And from that moment on, he says, that was the moment I bonded with this cast, this character, this series. That's and, and from then on, it was about the fun of the experience of creating it. And I think that anything, at least I've been a part of outside of high school. I think I've understood that that's what we do. They call it a play for a reason. Oh. It's a play. We get to play. Yeah. And, and the people that take themselves too seriously or take the moment too seriously are missing out on the magic of oh. what the experience is like. And I don't care if it is just a group of fun friends that are working on Homestead and totally varying levels of experience in it. It should be fun for everybody. Nobody should feel intimidated. Nobody should feel anxious. We're all here to bring this thing to life. And, and any, I mean, I will, I will talk anybody I can into acting into finding a, a way to, to explore that because it is, it has enriched my world so much over the course of my life and, and brought me some of the greatest joys of my life that how could you not share that with people? And I think that, you know, James, to your point as being like that cheerleader, it's, I want everybody to have fun at this. And I see so many people that are just fretting, waiting for that moment that you call them to the microphone and they've got their script in hand and they're like, oh, I can't follow what I just saw. And it's like, come on. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yeah. This is all silly. It's silly what yeah. we're doing. We're playing well, pretend. Enjoy it. Yeah. What I will also concede to that, because honestly, Travis, you nailed exactly how I feel about music. And it's right. one of the reasons why I encourage people. It's like, play, have right. fun, make noise. It's yep. fine. Once I, you I, learn I, how to control it, hey, that's great. But I am the I, same I, way, and you guys know, you, you two know this. I am the same way with karaoke. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't care if somebody can sing or not. I will try whatever I can to convince them to get up there and experience the moment. Yep. It's not about talent. Yeah, it's Sam. Having that moment. <laughs> so you want to come out and hang shine. out with us, Sam? Yeah, not Sam. Anymore. Come on. <laughs> yes, you oh, do. Are you karaoke a phobe? I am too. Yeah, a little bit. I am too. I'm she terrified has a great of singing. Voice, I by the way. No, I don't. I'm I absolutely love watching karaoke. It. You oh. will never get me up to sing, though. I know. We were doing a girls night out drunken girls night out photo shoot and um one of my uh, <laughs> no we weren't one of my friends is a photographer and she puts together these fun photo shoots we did like a horror movie one it was so much fun but we did a drunken girls night out photo <sighs> shoot and one of my radio buddies was like she's always trying to get me to go out afterwards but i do live kind of far away so you know sometimes it just doesn't work out um and with 
COVID, we, you know, Ryan is immunocompromised. We had to take it very seriously. So I was just like at home. Um, but anyway, so this was, you know, things are starting to open up. We doing this photo shoot and she's like, come out, just one drink, just one drink. Come on, let's go. And it was me, her and one other person. And I was like, okay, fine. It's not that I don't want to hang out with them. Don't want to put that out in the world. It's, it's just that I, I don't know. I have a hard time connecting with people as an adult. So I just kind of stayed to myself, but, um, anyway, the, so we went out and we went to karaoke and again, I watch a lot of karaoke, but I'm terrified to sing in front of people. I don't know what it is. I will act a fucking goofball. No matter. Give me whatever role I, I, did a naked play okay i it doesn't acting i, I could do that i can do that all day long that's video fine. or it didn't happen <laughs> uh-huh. i have the promotional material that's what you're that's all you can get um so like that i'm very familiar with acting like an ass in front of people that's not a problem for me <laughs> but singing for some reason is like it makes me want to curl up into a little ball and just kind of disappear into dust. And my friends were like, you know, they're encouraging, encouraging me. And I finally, it was a song I was really new, I was really familiar with. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I got up there and I did it. My heart was hammering. My hand was shaking the whole time, but I did it. God damn it. And my friend, uh, Kristen, who is the one who wanted me to come out, she writes our musicals and she leaned over to our friend and she, they told me this after, and she was like, she shouldn't have done that. And she was like, why? Cause now I know what kind of songs to write for her. And I was like, Fuck you. <laughs> oh, like there's dude. a part of, there's a part of me that's like, yes, do it. Cause I want to get over this fear, yeah. but yeah. There's another part of me that's like, dear God, no. Oh my God, no. Come Why? Why are you doing this? Why do you hate me? James, <laughs> Sam. And so so I will. I, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, Sam, that I have done thousands of karaoke songs. I used to work. I don't know if you remember Incredible Universe before it became Fry's. These massive technology superstores, right? They had a karaoke studio in them. And I worked there for a couple of years. I have done thousands and thousands of karaoke songs in front of so many nameless, faceless people. And to this day, I still get the heart pounding, the hand shaking until the music starts. And once the music starts, holy crap, it is like being teleported to another universe. And I... I just, I am in that moment and I love it. And I don't even, I don't come out of it until the end of the song and whatever reaction I get from the crowd, which varies depending on the song, obviously. But, but I, it, in the moment, it's fantastic. But leading up to it, hearing your name called and walking up there and grabbing the mic and that awkward moment waiting for the karaoke disc to load. And everybody's watching you. And you're like, is this thing? Oh, yes, it's on. Okay. Uh, Damn it, it's and, on. Yeah, it's See? all of that. But the second that music kicks in, especially if it's something you know, man, it like I said, it transports me. What I will and, say and I to love that. It it's one of those things where I can agree with the name call and the walk up and the grabbing of the mic. But for me, it's like, and Travis can attest to this. Not only do I try to do songs that I'm super comfortable with, but I do shit that I'm not comfortable with. Like I know I can't hit the ranges for, but I try them anyway. Cause I love the song. Yep. 
but then I have my third options, which is I will sing something that might make somebody laugh. Yep. And so my recent yeah, we did one, Pokemon theme song. Dude, it, it's perfect because the beauty part about it is it melts away the anxiety of it because I'm about to tell you something stupid. And my <laughs> recent favorite is the song Danny Don't You Know from Ninja Sex Party. That song, if folks are actually listening to me sing it and listening to what I'm singing or at least watching the words up on the big monitor, it's kind of fucking silly. And it might make somebody laugh. And the fact that I'm up there just giving it everything I got, because that's how I do. It's that moment for me with any kind of performance music where it's like when the amp turns on and I get that click in or whatever it is that starts the song off, I'm no longer me. Like the me that you see here, I become a creature of pure catharsis. And it's like everything I am, everything that I've ever wanted all comes screaming out of me. And, you know, for the very few people who have ever seen me perform live with a guitar, nothing's different. You know, it's that I'm in it. I'm there. I'm just fucking feeling every single hit, focusing on trying to be as perfect as I can. But honestly, at the end of it, I don't fucking care because <laughs> I'm there for me. See, and I don't know what it is about singing. I, I can't put my finger on it. Cause like when it comes to that and grabbing that microphone, cause there is a part of me that's like, okay, now I've got a bug for it. I want to do it again because I do have a genuine want to get over that. But Dude. It, I'm hyper aware of myself in that moment. And every cell in my body is just screaming at me. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, mm, nope, don't like that. So, so I don't know what, it is. I think people are hypercritical of any singing and like, I want to sound good, but at the same time, I'm like, this is something like if you go to a comedy play, like you come to radio Hour, we break all the time. Like there's no pressure, but for some reason, singing has pressure to it. Yeah. And I can only imitate. I don't have a voice of my own. I don't know what my singing voice is. So I think there's a pressure same. there too, that I'm just like, I don't know what I should sound like same. or what my style is. And I, I don't know. And I have people around me that are like, like one of my friends is a professional musician. You know, I, I have people that are like amateur musicians, like they're actual musicians and they're composers. And I'm just like, I suck. Why do you want me to do any of that? <laughs> it's just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't so know what it is. Beautiful voice, regardless of whether no. or not you believe it. Well, thanks, but you're welcome. <laughs> I, I understand. Like, I think for me, the reason I won't do it is, is similar to you, Samantha. There is a there is a judgment that we put on people who sing. Yeah, and, and like unreasonably so. Yeah, and, and like I know, like I know I'm not a great singer, and I never will be. Uh, but there are songs that, like, if I'm in my car and I sing. I think I sound great. Yeah, the car in the shower. I am a fucking rock star. Yeah, but like. <laughs> I, I don't really want to try and do those songs in front of a bunch, a room full of strangers, even with, if I'm with my friends, like, and that's part of the reason I've avoided going out to karaoke with I know Travis and Danny, <laughs> because they'd get enough liquor in me that I go, yeah, sure. And then as soon as I got up there, I would sober up and be like, what the fuck am I doing? And just <laughs> like awkward turtle it like, Oh God. 
but there's part of me that kind of wants to do it you know and do maybe if they got me like at danny's house and we were just doing it there yeah because it's them and they're just gonna laugh with me and it'd be fine but doing it in front of strangers that's where it gets me but you want to know something though at that rate the one thing that has made doing karaoke for me a lot easier in the past years is the fact that i'm only ever doing it with travis there and for me for me now i know travis has got a great voice in my opinion he does. It's one of those things no. where it's like watching him go up there and do you it. You do. Like, Shut up. Accept the compliment. Fuck no. But at the same time, it's like when I go up there and sing, I'm only singing for the people I give a shit about. So if Josie's there with us, I'm singing for Josie and Travis, and that's it. Everyone else, y'all can eat my ass. I don't care if you don't like what I'm doing. I'm having a great time, and my friends are having a great time. My wife's enjoying it or not. Either way, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, though, where it's like I'm doing this for the people I care about all the other opinions that are in the room, like periodically I'll get a, Hey dude, that was really fucking good. It's like, thank you. And in the back of my head, I'm like, don't care. Cause again, that's me. But if I go back and Travis is like, dude, you fucking killed it. It's like, yes. And here, here is the thing about karaoke. I mean, we've all been in the karaoke bars and we've seen our share of karaoke singers. How, Many of the bad ones to this day, do you still remember? I don't even oh, remember the them. good ones. None of them. <laughs> yeah. you, you know that during the night, there was two or three that were pretty damn good. There was maybe one surprise, like, holy shit, you should be professional. And the rest were mediocre to awful. And you never remember them. You don't think about them. You don't. I mean that's the beauty of it it's like if somebody gets up there and they do a horrible rendition generally people just go back to their conversations during the song right they go get another beer they go out to smoke the judgment really that you're feeling is your internal judgment right for sure but but all of that fear all of that thing the coolness is just on the other side of it Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. getting over to the other side of all of that anxiety, and it's fucking awesome. And That's why you got to come out with us, Sam. You are. It's fucking awesome to have that are. moment. Sam, of, you come out. You and I will do a duet together. Well, that's what right? I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> like, like what Travis was saying. Right? It's, it's, it still scares me. I'm gonna be terrified to do it again. But I'll wait for him to do it because it's an encouragement for him. So. Um, but James, since you and I share a lot of the same fears and insecurities about this, I will say I did it and I survived and I'm okay with what happened and how I sounded and how I felt. Uh, it's still terrifying, but I did it. I survived. You can do it too. Well, that makes you a better person than me. (laughs) One day come out and we need to have one day. Yep. Because, yeah, it's it's all kinds of just and the beauty part about it, too, is it's like that first time you ever got super drunk and your buddy's like, hey, there's a mechanical bull over there. You should ride it. And you're like, Fuck I would yeah. do that sober. But that's what I mean. <laughs> it's like you'd get up there and there's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of performance anxiety. But at the same time, you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to have me some fun. And again, 
you have fun singing in the shower and in your car. All you're doing is basically bringing that to fruition. And the cool part about being with us is use our strength because you know when you get done, even if you were God fucking awful, (laughs) we're going to go like, fuck yeah, Sam, you killed it. Unconditional support. Hell yes. But like the tension with like the bull ride or look, you know, that could, that's the type of tension I thrive on. But the tension of grabbing that mic is something that makes me want to fall through the floor. <laughs> and isn't that weird that, that we have that tension you. because we are performers? Yeah. yeah. But, but if you, singing is the one should... thing that makes us go, ah. It's because it's a nerve Yo, that you guys feel yeah. you're not confident with. Yeah. With riding a bull, Sam, I totally see that that's something you're comfortable with because it's physical and you can do anything physical. With voice, it's an expression of your soul that if it's not well met, it hurts more. Like if you get up there and you do a comedy bit where you fall through a table and it doesn't land, like a part of you is like, ah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had jokes not land. Exactly. And it's one of those things where with singing every time you make such, one on this show, it's True. such a deep nerve that it's one of those things that it is your voice. It is your expression of self. Yeah. So that's why I think you both hold it in such uh, security because you guys are worried about that particular part of you being damaged. And honestly, they're one to one when you really think about it. Yeah. It, when you do a physical bit, it's no less part of who you are at your soul level. It just doesn't feel as much because it's external. Well, I think you, you kind of nailed it though there, Danny. I think of all the performances, singing is probably the most personal. Yes. You know, even if you're doing karaoke, that's still, I mean, you're really giving something of yourself more so than I would say acting or even or anything an else. Instrument. Yeah. Even playing an instrument because an instrument, yes, you're hiding part of your soul. Yeah. In it. But at the same time, if you miss a note, there's a level of excuse to go, ah, fuck, you know, ah, I got to fix that. But it's physical, it's external. Your voice is who you are. So to be judged by that alone is really difficult. But again, the beauty part about karaoke is you're singing somebody else's song. You know the notes, you know where it should be. So all the hard work has really been done. All the soul and effort of that singing performance is already done. All you have to do is imitate. Except for the fact that everything you said is correct, except for the fact that even though you're singing someone else's words and you're, per, you know, you're imitating their notes and everything, you're still putting yourself oh, yeah. into that song. Oh, and I, I think- totally agree. I think there's there's a level of confidence that, at least for myself, that I just, again, like when I'm on my own, sure, I'll sing and I know it's terrible, but I don't care because I'm having a good time by myself. But doing that in front of an audience is the greatest thrill of all. For me, it's it's a comfort level that I can't. You know what's really interesting is there was a massive difference for me between when I do karaoke and when I performed with Lords of Fern. And there is nothing different about what I was doing. 
absolutely nothing different. But for some reason, I brought different baggage to it, right? Mm -hmm. It was a different experience. At karaoke, there's nothing at stake, in my opinion, right? It's like everybody gets up there and they're all the same. They get to perform, whether good, bad, and different. And it is what it is. But with Lords of Fern, there was expectation now. Mm Mm-hmm. And right. now it's like we're billing ourselves as an act. And now my voice has to be on it. And I remember when we performed at Slim's the second time, and I was more terrified than I ever had been before in, in, in any sort of performance before we got up there. And, and yeah, it was a night that it got to me. That there, I think I even dropped a lyric that night and it just it was not my night and it was all psychological i let it get get in my head that night yeah but it was it it was no different it was still me singing other people's words with music behind me in front of a crowd at a bar that had been drinking but for some reason it was a completely different experience yep yeah well, guys, we need to wrap this up, but I definitely want to carry this conversation on uh, in a uh, future episode. So, Travis, thanks for joining us. So happy to have you. Oh, yeah, buddy. Thanks, TriMed. Sorry I was late. Samantha, <laughs> thank you for sharing my pain. I feel like we've connected on a deeper level. Yes, we're now and best, best friends. Danny, I just want to thank you for being you because you make you make everything better. Oh, shucks. I appreciate it. I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Not Another Podcast. There are so many places for you to find us outside of www.notanotherpodcast.com. For instance, you can find us on Facebook at Not Another Podcast. You can also find us on Tumblr at www.notanotherpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also find me, Samantha Stark, on Twitter at SamanthaStark3. And you can find James on Twitter as well under James Spooky, spelled with an I-E, not a Y. And you wanted it. You asked for it. You got it. You can also find us now on iTunes under, you guessed it, Not Another Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out, Not Another Podcasters.